Good morning. Can I welcome everyone in the sanctuary this morning and also welcome everyone who's watching online today or later in the week. I would also like to welcome back Jean Porter, who will be conducting the service this morning. Jean is a great friend of St Ninian's Old and is well known to us all. Jean, it is lovely to have you back with us today. A few intimations to bring to your attention. Tea, coffee and biscuits will be served in the parish halls following the service. Please join us for a further time of fellowship. Mr McIntyre returns to duty on Tuesday. There will be a coffee afternoon in the parish halls from 2pm to 4pm on Tuesday. Admission will be £2.50 and the money raised will go to the Turkey-Syria earthquake appeal. I'm sure you'll agree a very worthwhile cause. The first in a series of Lent studies will be held in the Park Church on Thursday evening at 7pm. You're warmly invited to come along. The Tuesday group, now open to men and women, will meet in the parish halls on Tuesday the 28th of February at 2pm. Mr McIntyre will be the speaker. Articles for the spring edition of the parishioner should be submitted by Sunday the 5th of March. Photographs, recipes and stories, etc. will be welcome and should be emailed to the email address on the intimation sheet. The parishioner will be published shortly before Easter. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's lovely to be back in the old parish again. We begin our worship with some words from Psalm 99. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Now let us stand as we sing our first hymn this morning, number 127, O Worship the King, number 127.
We come now before God in prayer, and at the close of this prayer, we'll say the words of the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Holy God, come, transfigure, transform us. Shine within us. Shine out from us. Take from us every anxiety, every moment, every memory of failure and weakness, that for a moment we may sit in your light, reflecting your holiness immersed in the sacred. Holy God, for a moment, may we sit with the angels to bring you our silent praise and be still, aware of your presence around us and within us, in our breathing, your love in our heartbeat. Your light, O God, is so bright it hurts our eyes, for in your light our brokenness is revealed. So we come seeking your renewing love and your forgiveness that will sustain us through all the consequences of our wrong actions, to be lifted up in your embrace, that we may smile again. Almighty God, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Help us, Holy God, each day and each night to open our heart, mind and soul to you. Give us strength, courage and love to sink into a deeper silence with you, into moments of meaning to glimpses of your glory. Lead us up to the mountaintop. Entwine our lives with yours, for we want to be with you. Now we come as God's own beloved children and say together the words that Jesus taught his friends to say, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. The first reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. This can be found in the New Testament section of the Pew Bibles at page 16. That's Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. <clears throat> Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance changed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothing became dazzling white. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter blurted out, Lord, this is wonderful. If you want me to, I'll make these three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he said it, a bright cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with him. 
listened to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked, they saw only Jesus with them. As they descended the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until I, the Son of Man, have been raised from the dead. Amen. Thank you, Les. Now. You'll not be surprised to see that I brought my bag of tricks with me again. Have you noticed there is a definite craze these days for taking selfies? Or photobombing, as it's called. People will post photographs on Facebook. I may mention a craft group, but I won't, who have appeared on Facebook just recently, like yesterday, having a lovely lunch, apparently, and thoroughly enjoying themselves. I know the guilty ones. I've seen you. On Facebook, you'll see people taking selfies with celebrities and even members of the royal family. Our our lovely late queen caused a global sensation way back in 2014 at the Commonwealth Games when she photobombed a couple of athletes who were happily taking a selfie of themselves and suddenly realised that the queen was standing behind them, grinning into their camera. (laughs) It's great fun. It's a lovely way of capturing a moment in time. Now, you and I both know that in days gone past, before we had cameras that were phones, or phones that were cameras, when you took your photograph, you put it in one of these things. This is my photo album. And in here, I have photographs uh-huh. of a certain church which shall remain nameless. <laughs> you can see these at tea time. And down in the bottom, there's a picture of some ladies enjoying themselves at a Tuesday Club uh, Christmas dinner in 2004. That was a moment captured, one that we'll probably never regain again. And also a certain fashion show that some may remember from 2004. I could tell you a story of Jack and Ori, <laughs> but that would be a story begun. Right. Can you hear me, Mother? Yes. Fabulous. Of course, nowadays we don't intend to have photo albums to the same extent. You'll find people flicking through their phone to show you the photographs of the grandchildren nowadays. Wouldn't it have been lovely if our Peter on that hill, on Mount Hermon, 
had just had his camera with him or his phone to capture that moment. Can you imagine? He's standing on this hill. Not only are his friends James and John with him, Jesus is with him, but that's kind of normal now. But Moses is there, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Elijah is there, who is the greatest prophet known to humankind at the time. And Peter is so excited. And he says, oh Lord, it's so good to be here. Why don't, if it's okay with you, I'll build a shelter for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. But before Jesus gets a chance to answer him, the voice comes from the bright cloud and doesn't say, I'm really sorry you haven't got a camera, Peter. It's not been invented yet. The voice says, this is my one true son in whom I greatly delight. Listen to him. Because God wanted Peter and James and John and their friends to really start paying attention, to really start listening to Jesus because the time is getting short. Soon Jesus will die on the cross and time will run out. They need to listen now and they need to pay attention to what Jesus tells them. But it's not just Peter, John and James and their friends that God wants to listen to Jesus. It's St. Peter's Church and St. James's Church and St. John's Church and St. Ninian's Old and all the other churches and all of us to listen because the time is short. The Bible tells us that soon, not our soon, but God's soon, Soon Jesus will come back. So it's our turn, our time to listen. And not only that, to tell others about Jesus so that they can listen too. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to listen to Jesus. Help us to obey what he tells us. And help us to tell others about him and why he came so that they can listen too. And we ask this in your name. Amen. We're going to sing now, not just with our voices, but with our hands this morning. So if you would like to look up number 443 in your hymn book, We're only going to sing the first verse of this, He is Lord. But what we're also going to do, and I'm inviting everybody to join in, is we're going to sign this. Now, in sign language, you can't just say he or she. You have to give the person's name. And the sign for Jesus is the nail-pierced hands. I'll go back a bit so the folks at the back can see. The nail-pierced hands. And you don't just say is. You say definitely. Okay, so he is Lord. And I'm telling you, and I'm telling me, he is Lord. But not only that, he is risen. From the dead. Now, remember casualty and the monitor with a line that goes straight? 
He is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. But more than that, every knee, now now you can't see it from where you are, but I can see that's a key. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue, your tongue's somewhere in there. Tongue confess, tell it out, that Jesus, Christ for you, Christ for me, is Lord. Okay, that's a lot to take in. There's not actually many signs in that. It just feels like a lot. Tony, could I ask you to give us a very short introduction? And what I'm going to encourage everybody to do is have a go at the signing. We'll just do the signing. And then we'll maybe try singing and signing at the same time. Just to show we can multitask. Okay. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ. tell you how proud I am of all of you? That is amazing. Not even the kids could have done it better. And when you go home, you can tell your family, we were using sign language in church this morning. Okay, we'll sing it through twice. Is that okay, Tony? And we'll have a go at the signing at the same time. You guys are just wonderful. The second reading this morning comes from Exodus chapter 24, 
verses 12 to 18. This can be found in the Old Testament section of the Pew Bibles at page 65. That's Exodus chapter 24, verses 12 to 18. And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain. Stay there while I give you the tablets of stone that I have inscribed with my instructions and commands. Then you will teach the people from them. So Moses and his assistant Joshua climbed up the mountain of God. Moses told the other leaders, Stay here and wait for us until we come back. If there are any problems while I am gone, consult with Aaron and Hur, who are here with you. Then Moses went up the mountain, and the cloud covered it. And the glorious presence of the Lord rested upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from the cloud. The Israelites at the foot of the mountain saw an awesome sight. The awesome glory of the Lord on the mountain top looked like a devouring fire. Then Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. He stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Amen. And now we come before God in prayer with our prayers for others. Let us pray. Lord God, first we would give back to you in thankfulness what you have given to us in kindness. We acknowledge that the world and its resources are not ours but yours and that you have put us in charge as your trustees. Help us to exercise responsibly the authority you give us in your world. Let Jesus, your son, be the pattern for all our dealings with one another and with the rest of creation. Bless the gifts we now present back to you so that they may be used in the work of your kingdom here on earth. Loving God, we do thank you for your great faithfulness, your wonderful and constant love, your care that is never exhausted, and your purpose that will never be defeated. For you have been our refuge from one generation to another, and we thank you. Loving God, as we think of ourselves, we also think of those in trouble. Those for whom these days have brought disaster and tragedy. Those whose lives have been turned upside down. As we pray for those folks affected by the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Especially we pray for those whose lives are filled with fear of what will happen next. And we pray too for Ukraine, for the families who have lost children in the fighting. Give them comfort, support, and the knowledge of your eternal love. As we pray for those injured or maimed, those who will face the coming days trying to come to terms with physical, mental, and spiritual wounds, grant healing and wholeness to each one. We pray for those in despair today, for all who have lost their jobs this week, for those in the news and for those whose situation is hidden from public view, but who are suffering nevertheless. 
We remember parents who now worry about how they will keep a roof over their heads or put food on the table. Grant them the knowledge of your presence. May they find in you their rock, their fortress, their deliverer. And we remember those whose lives will never be the same, having received news of serious or terminal illness in themselves or in close family members, whose future is now uncertain and who feel lost and unable to cope. May your love surround and uphold them in these days. And we pray for the bereaved, for all who have lost loved ones in recent days, who now wait, even this week, for the funeral day to pass and wonder how they will live without their loved one. God, our strength and our comfort, grant them the peace that passes all our understanding and the assurance of your presence with them always. And now in the silence we bring to you those closest to our hearts this morning who need to know you as their refuge and their strength. Grant them and us the assurance of your presence today and always. Amen. We sing our next hymn, number 189. Be still for the presence of the Lord, number 189.
Let's pray together. May the words that I speak and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Waiting. Love it or hate it, a great deal of our lives is spent doing it. In our story today, Moses spends six days on a mountain, Mount Sinai, waiting for God to say or do something. God has promised to give Moses tablets of stone bearing the law and the commandments that he wants Moses to teach the people. Before Moses leaves for the mountain, he makes preparations. First, he plans to take Joshua with him. Mountains are not always safe places to be. Climbing has its own hazards. And so wisely he takes his attendant, Joshua, not just because Joshua is his right-hand man, but also because Joshua will one day lead the people of Israel into the promised land. His next step is to ensure that the people will be counselled well and their disputes resolved wisely. And so he tells the elders that his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam's son, her, will be his representatives and deal with any disputes that might arise in his absence. Which tells us that when Moses and Joshua set out, they knew that God's timing is not always ours. And also that they were dealing with the living God. So potentially, anything could happen. Now, if you're like me, you may often want things to happen yesterday, not just today. Merely because we can't bear to wait, really. And nowadays, a lot of time is spent trying to find ways of reducing waiting times. We have instant coffee, convenience foods, microwave ovens, while you wait MOTs, even next or same day delivery. All this to avoid waiting. But have you noticed? No one seems to be able to do anything about buses. Have you ever watched people waiting for a bus? It's absolutely fascinating. Not everyone waits in exactly the same way. And the same thing actually applies to the way we wait for God to give us instructions, to tell us what we must do, or to give us an answer to our prayers. So just for a few moments this morning, let's see if the way we wait for a bus can tell us something about the way we wait for God to say or to do. First of all, you catch a bus two days running and you think on the third day, I'll leave the house now and by the time I get there, it will have arrived. 
Foolish thinking. Really. Truly. Of course, you get to the bus stop, and 20 minutes later, you are still waiting. Even if most of our experience of prayer is that our prayers are answered immediately, there are always going to be times when we have to wait. Moses' experience of God was one of immediate conversation. But now even he has to wait. So while we're waiting, let's look and see how other people are waiting. There's a man who, having stood patiently for all of 30 seconds, then walks up and down, muttering, Come on, bus. Come on, bus. By the time the bus comes, he's already walked the distance of the bus journey. He's put a great deal of effort into this waiting. Jesus once told a story of a widow who waited for an answer. You may remember the story. She'd been cheated and she wanted the judge assigned to her case to give her his decision. Now, the judge, it has to be said, was far from honest in his judgments. But every day, every day she came to see him and pressed him for an answer. And a great deal of effort went into waiting, and it paid off. Jesus was teaching that if an unjust judge could be stirred into giving an answer by sheer dogged persistence, surely a just and loving God would more readily answer our prayers. Have you ever noticed that while you're waiting for a bus, all your car-owning friends stay at home that day or travel in completely the wrong direction? When we ask God to answer prayer or make it clear for us, to us what he wants us to do, it's often with the expectation that he'll answer in a certain way. Our way. Or we'll look out for the quick fix solution. The easy way out is the answer to our prayer. I could tell you the story of Abraham, who was promised a son by his wife, Sarah, who jumped the gun a bit and had a child by her maidservant. Or for us, standing at that bus stop, we see a car coming in the distance, we think we might recognise it, and it goes past. And we're still left waiting. There are some folks who appear quite relaxed, sitting at the bus stop, sitting in the shelter, waiting for the bus. But ever so often they'll get up and look at their watch, or these days it tends to be the phone. Or they'll maybe get up and have a wee look. Bus coming? No. Sit down again. You know, we're often told, talk to God in prayer, and then leave your worries at the foot of the cross. Which is good advice. But, I'm being honest, how many of us take our troubles to God, ask him to fix our problems, and then leave it in his hands without going back ever so often just to check and see how it's doing? And lastly, 
Whilst there's folk who sit chatting to their neighbour, maybe even reading the paper or studying their phone, they're still alert when the bus comes. In fact, sometimes they're the ones that are the first at the door of the bus. And this is also one of the healthiest ways we can approach prayer. Trusting that the answer will come. Ready and prepared for God's answer. Getting on with the rest of our lives. But whether we pester God for an answer to our prayer, whether we look for our own answers or our quick fix solutions, whether we try to leave our worries in God's hands and don't always succeed, or whether we wait patiently for his answers, no matter if the waiting is short or long, one constant truth remains. God answers prayer. We never leave God's presence empty-handed. Moses waited and waited and waited some more. And at last on the seventh day, his waiting was over. A cloud had descended on the top of the mountain. A bright cloud. It was no ordinary cloud, but the Shekinah, the glory of God's presence, which burned with fire from within. It burned so brightly that it could be seen by the people far below. And out of the cloud came a voice that Moses recognized. The voice was calling him to come into God's presence. And he left Joshua behind as God enveloped him in the cloud of his presence and spoke directly to Moses. You do feel sorry for Joshua, don't you? Because Joshua is now still waiting. But Moses' ever-ready waiting had not been in vain. And later he would leave the cloud carrying the tablets of stone which bore God's commandments on them. Mission accomplished. Are you waiting for God to answer your prayer? Or to tell you what path to take? Or what to do in a troubling situation? Remember Moses and his waiting. And be ever ready. Ever ready to hear God calling you into his presence. Ready to receive his answers to heartfelt prayer. Ready to receive guidance and encouragement for what lies ahead. Or to receive blessings of comfort and peace. Ready to receive all that in his love God has prepared for you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. 
Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is number 132, Immortal, Invisible God, Only Wise, number 132. Just before the blessing, a wee reminder that a cup of tea awaits us down in the hall and everyone is warmly invited to join us there. Also to say thank you. Thank you to everyone who has made this service possible, both here at the old parish and also for the folks at home. And now, may God go with us on our journey of faith. Revive us when we grow weary Direct us when we go astray. Inspire us when we lose heart. Encourage us on our way. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon us and remain with us this day and forevermore.